Hey, everybody, and welcome to the iFreak Show. Today in our panel, we have Andrew Manson. Hello from New York City. I'm James Zuber. I'm also in New York City. And with us in New York City is David Carmona from Microsoft. Hello. Very good to be here. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I work in Microsoft in the developer division. Uh, so most of the stuff that you saw yesterday at Connect, uh, that came from from this division in Microsoft, right? So we we do from the Visual Studio tools to things like .NET, anything related to development, productivity, and development tools and services. That's uh, part of this division. And my particular role, uh, I I lead the team for uh, tools for .NET, so Visual Studio, Visual Studio Code for for .NET, uh, and I also take care of languages, so C sharp, Vivi, F sharp, and, and friends. When we found out we were going to be talking to you, the thing I sort of wanted to talk to you about is uh, is .NET as an ecosystem, Visual Studio as a tool, and the languages, but but specifically from the perspective of an iOS developer, which is what I am, what a lot of our audience is. I've done Objective-C for, for 10 plus years and Swift since it came out, and that's really the world I live in. But uh, of course, .NET is huge, and I I hear I always hear good things about it from the people who, who do .NET development. So that's something I kind of wanted to explore a little more. And I must say, as a longtime Xcode user and somebody who actually likes Xcode, <laughs> I'm also very qualified to complain about it. And I think <laughs> a lot of us are. And we hear people who use Visual Studio. Um, I, at least I hear people who use Visual Studio often kind of sing its praises. They say a lot of nice things about it. So I'd like to explore that a little bit too. Why don't you um, maybe just give us a really brief overview of the of the whole .NET ecosystem. Yeah, and I yeah, know I can big. do that. I think that the uh, this is this is super cool to be here. So if you think just two years, well, actually two years and one day ago, this conversation would be very difficult, right? Because we didn't have so most of our development tools uh, were focused on Windows. That's that's the reality, right? And I think uh, one of the, of course, not only requests that we have, but but needs in the market, right? Is how uh, why do you guys focus so much on on the Windows productivity? But what if I'm targeting other devices, right? I can still use some pieces of your platform, and I would love. And as you say, right? So we we receive very good feedback on both .NET and Visual Studio as tools that developers uh, really love right and enjoy right they're they're really delightful experiences for for developers and having extending that to a level that can be shared with uh, any developer and that was the the key theme for yesterday's connect was any developer any app any platform right that that has been our focus for the last two years now how do we do that uh, i think uh, it would be our mistake thinking that uh, we just need to take the same approach that we took in the past for any developer, right? So the reality is that uh, we we want to provide choices. So we don't want to tell developers, hey, if you want to use our platform, throw everything you have and move to the Microsoft platform. That's not our intention, right? So .NET is is a is a sweet technology. It's, it's a technology that I love and I admire for for many years, right? There are many good things about that. But the first thing to say is that it's not your only solution if you want to use uh, Microsoft uh, technologies, right? So we have things from a uh, mobile center that you that we announced yesterday, Visual Studio Mobile Center, that you can use perfectly fine staying in iOS native development, right? And even Xcode native iOS development, right? So uh, and it provides many services for you to build, test deploy and monitor your applications uh, in, in iOS without any other connection with the Microsoft platform. So that's the first thing. It's, it's helpful for me because I'm a, a .NET guy, but I'm perfectly fine. <laughs> so <laughs> totally fine. Uh, so I would start there. So that's the, the first thing that I would say is start there, right? Many 
nice things happening in there. Same thing on the Azure side, right? So you are developing a backend uh, for your mobile applications. There's there, there are, there are high level uh, abstraction services in, in Azure, like app service that is there, there beautiful to use, right? So with, with just a few lines of code, you can do magic in there and it's not needed for you to use .NET, right? So you can, you can do it on, on any language. Now that said, now we move into my territory, right? .NET territory, right? And, um, .NET territory. So we, we recently did a, a just a random a tweet a sampling where we asked our developers, what do you like about .NET? Where are the key things that you like about .NET? And we also asked, what do you want next for .NET, right? And, and it's, it's, it's funny because the, the key themes are super clear. So, uh, .NET developers love by a large portion. One of the things that they love is the languages, right? So the, the languages that we have for .NET, they are very, very nice languages. Things like C sharp. C sharp is like the star for, for .NET, although you can use VB and F sharp, which is, I mean, F sharp, they have, is almost a religion nowadays, right? Functional programming with F sharp. We have like, like, uh, People who are super passionate about it, but the vast majority of the developers are using C sharp. And what they tell us is that it is a very nice compromise between being a super modern language. So anything, and, and we lead a lot of, a lot of areas with that, with C sharp, like async, like uh, generics, like link. So very modern concepts that we implemented very early in the languages that developers love while at the same time keeping it really multi-purpose, right? So C sharp is great for doing LOB development, so you can create like an LOB app with a lot of data access, you know, volume data access that you can automate with C Sharp. LOB line of business. Line of business, okay. sorry. All thank right. you. Thank you for that. Uh, but at the same time, C Sharp has the beauty that you can go as deep as you want, right? So you can directly uh, uh, interact with the platform. You have an access to the memory that you don't have usually in this high level uh, language, right? Which is especially interesting for mobile applications, right? So, uh, that's where I connect with mobile applications. So why C Sharp and .NET in general and, and mobile applications? So uh, with summary, uh, the the main goal for summary is how we could bring that beauty of the of the language and the platform to mobile applications, right? And and the key principles when we did that is uh, and we've been working with summary for a long time as partners. We both loved .NET. I was great both with them. And then after the acquisition. They are just part of the, of the entire VS solution, right? Uh, the key thing in there is, is a little bit. So the way that I look at, at .NET and, and mobile applications is this duality between creating a rich experiences for users, but at the same time having great productivity for developers, right? So it's that duality of being able to do the two things at the same time, right? So, uh, depending on the approach that you take, sometimes you are prioritizing one versus the other, right? So if you want to go like big cross-platform, high abstraction, you usually are sacrificing a little bit the user experience. If you go super native, taking every single bit of your device that you're targeting, you usually sacrifice the developer productivity, right? So with summary, because it's based on .NET and you have that access to the internals of the platform, you can do basically everything. So there's nothing uh, in, for example, in, in, in your case, guys, with, with iOS, there's nothing that, uh, that you can do with Xcode and, uh, Objective-C or Swift that you cannot do with, with C Sharp, right? So you can do, you have access to all the APIs, you have access to everything. Yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, I did .NET development before I did iPhone mm-hmm. development and going from C Sharp to Objective-C was a massive step back as far as language functionality, mm-hmm. what you could do. Them fighting words. Well, I'm teasing. I'm just an Objective-C fan. And I I grew to love Objective-C, 
and a lot of people have problems with it. Now that we, you know, Swift is becoming the more mainstream mm-hmm. Apple language, we have a lot of that power back that we're missing. Uh, better typing, you know, uh, array functions, map, reduce, yeah. that type of thing. So we have a lot of the functionality. One thing we, so we're used to dealing in that way. So, you know, the jump between Swift and C sharp is much less than Objective C to sleep sharp. Yeah. One thing we do have NVA if we have C sharp NVA for the async await. Yeah. Where you can you don't have to do like the create the lambda and the you know the function. I, I actually want to talk to you about that if we can. But first, I want to say I one thing that's a little confusing for me coming from sort of outside the Microsoft ecosystem is there's .NET which has been around since 2000 ish you know 15 yeah. years. Uh, and it has, has been a really good way to do Windows development. And then more recently with Xamarin has become sort of a, a much more feasible for cross-platform. But there's also this, I think, relatively new thing uh, at Microsoft, which is called .NET Core, which yeah. is open source. But what's the difference? What is .NET yeah. Core versus just plain .NET? Yeah, let me tell you, uh, let me tell you the story first and then uh, how uh, everything fits together, right? So the story is that uh, two years, exactly two years and one day, <laughs> we announced that .NET, uh, we wanted to be two things. One, open source, so we open source .NET, and the second one, full open source, so MIT license or so super flexible license with contribution from the community, the full thing, right? And then the second thing is cross-plat, right? So uh, uh, not only Windows, but also Linux and, and Mac. Uh, that brings interesting challenges also from the technical point of view, right? So uh, .NET, by definition, it was a component of Windows. So you get .NET, the existing .NET, you get it with Windows. You, we don't release .NET. We release .NET as part of Windows, which is that model obviously doesn't work, right, if you right. want to do cross-plat. Then the other thing is, is, of course, we wanted this new .NET to be especially focused on the new types of applications, right? And the new types of applications are mobile applications on the client and are uh, uh, microservices on the server, right? Uh, And you are looking for very lightweight, highly customizable, flexible frameworks that you can mix and match for exactly the needs that you want, right? So that for us was a major exercise of refactoring the whole .NET to make sure that it was aligned with those goals, right? So .NET Core is rethinking .NET to be aligned with those goals. So .NET Core is the one that is cross-plat. Uh, it, it is not monolithic, right? So something that you see with Java, traditional .NET, is it comes as a big piece, right? There's no way for you to decompose that. If you are targeting mobile devices, if you are targeting microservices, that's an approach that is not going to work for you, right? So you need the thing to be highly flexible so you can pick the pieces that work. So we did all that work with .NET Core. We also did all the work for uh, for being cross-plat. It is all open source, so that's .NET Core. Now, the big question, and that's the, the, the question that uh, I think we have to, to explain in a little bit more detail, is then how is it related to .NET? So is .NET Core something completely different, or is it not? Or is it the same thing, right? And I think the, the, the key, so we didn't compromise any of those goals for .NET Core, so we made some decisions that uh, it was focused on making sure that .NET Core was the best for mobile and cloud applications, right? But at the same time, we want to make sure that existing .NET developers, and in general, if you want to create an application across all those workloads, you can share not only your skills, but also the code, right? So there's something from the skills point of view, we are sharing the same library, so you learn the library once, 
and you can use the same library everywhere, right? So you know how to do uh, sockets, for to say a, a random example in one platform, and you know how to do it in the in the other, right? Uh, and we also wanted to leverage code, right? So the key thing for that to happen is that we created something called .NET standard. And .NET standard is just a contract. It's not a real thing. So it's not something that you download. Let's download .NET standard. It's just a contract that we have in every single platform in .NET. So the .NET framework implements that contract. Summary implements that contract. .NET Core implements that contract. And what that contract does is a surface area that is common across all of the platforms. So that means that you have the same API across all the platforms, so you don't need to learn a different API. Then every platform will provide additional APIs, right? So, uh, for example, if you are running on iOS, you have, of course, all the native capabilities in the device that you don't have if you are targeting .NET Core in the cloud, right? Uh, but you can use the same code across all of them uh, if you uh, address and you use that those contracts. Right? So these are things like strings, dates, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, stuff like- and, and even mm-hmm. even higher, much higher level than that. So serialization, uh, XML, JSON, anything that 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 is that makes sense to be shared across the platform. What we did was taking .NET framework. And Mono, right? The, the, the platform that is based for, for summary. Uh, and we, we saw what was the overlap between them and that we made it done standard. That's basically Highland, right? There right. are more details in there. So for, uh, for iOS developers, this is sort of like foundation. .NET Core is sort of like foundation. Yeah. You can, uh, you can look uh, at it from, from that. From that angle. Okay. Well, that's, is actually very helpful. And it, it's, if I remember right, Xamarin is built on Mono. Yeah. But maybe someday. They can switch to .NET Core. Right? Yeah, not a uh, uh, not a key goal. Like if we see that there's going to be a benefit, then we will do it, right? Yeah. No, no, no question. Uh, but right now, the reality is that Xamarin works great. Right. And, uh, on Mono and is yeah. And Xamarin and Mono, Mono has been open source for forever, and Xamarin is yeah. open source now. At yeah, yeah, that is yeah. true. Okay, well, James started to mention this, and I kind of wanted to get back into it. I, I'd like to hear what makes C Sharp a great language, and what makes .NET uniquely great platform. Yeah. So we started before by talking about languages, which is by far uh, one of the key things that uh, .NET developers are saying, hey, this is why I'm using .NET. Uh, let me go in C Sharp for a second. But before that, the other key things that you see in .NET developers saying why I'm using .NET, the second one is tooling, right? So the reality is that Visual Studio and .NET is a, is a Great combination, right? I mean, the productivity that you have by using the tool is just amazing, right? So Visual Studio is an IDE that, that does some magic, right? On, on productivity and, and the, the, the conjunction of, uh, 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 we, we, we had, uh, the compilers for .NET are called Rosalind, right? It's a project that we did. It took us like five years. It's a big, big project, right? And it was basically rethinking the compiler concept and it's re- we thought in a way that it makes super easy to be toolable, right? So we have these great refactorings, uh, this great, uh, not only intelligent intelligence, but also things that are very, uh, that are only possible because we have that super nice uh, uh, conjunction of Visual Studio and Rosalind, right? Uh, so that's that's the second thing. And the third thing that they're saying is the community, right? Is a .NET 6 million developers, right? So uh, you will find anything that, that you want out there. It's not only a great open source community, it's also a great component community. It's also a great, you know, you go to Stack Overflow and it's one of the most popular uh, things in Stack Overflow, right? You go to anywhere and there's a .NET uh, com- component or a .NET version or a .NET person that can help you, user groups, for example. Right. So those are the, the three key things that they say about .NET. Now, 
double clicking on the on the language side. So from the high level, uh, I mentioned already, I think a little bit, you know, our our principles for, for C sharp in particular is how we can keep it multi-purpose language. So we don't want it to be a language that can be only used in one platform because that's another strength of .NET is that you can develop iOS applications one day, but an Android application the next day, and cloud backend based on Docker on Linux the day after that, all using the same language, right? So that's something that we don't want we don't want to lose. But at the and same, hearing, hearing Docker and Linux from a Microsoft yeah. person is blowing many people's <laughs> minds right now. <laughs> so go ahead. No, no, we are so .NET Core. We can go in that in in detail later, but for us, .NET Core is. .NET Core and Docker are like another magical combination, right? So if we thought .NET Core from the grown up, so to make sure that it was great on containers, right? So it is lightweight, it is super, uh, you know, uh, super high performance for, for that scenario. We just published the, the Tekken Power results and they're amazing, right? Uh, just, just a year ago, I mean, we are multiplying by 50, 40 the performance, right? This is, is, is crazy. Uh, but yeah, so, so with that kind of principle for C sharp, at the same time, C sharp for us is like, it's been always a super modern language, right? So we want C sharp to be always in the edge of modern languages, right? So we, we want C sharp to be leading in, in a lot of areas, just like we, we led on things like async, like you mentioned, uh, genetics. Uh, there are a lot of concepts that came first to C sharp. And we strongly believe that that's the, that's still the, the direction that we want to have for the language. We don't want to be a language that is lagging behind other languages. Even if it's a multipurpose used by six million people, we want .NET to be leading in, in those, right? So we are very transparent with the, with the .NET community on that, right? Cause that requires also, I mean, if you are looking for something, uh, like, like COBOL, this is, this is not the thing, right? So this is going to change, meaning that this is always evolving and, and we are even uh, evolving faster and faster every time, right? So to keep always C sharp like a nice language. I think I heard yesterday from the stage that C sharp seven is, is yeah. out. And it seems to me like Microsoft ever since the very beginning of C sharp has been really aggressive about pushing forward. They have not just, well, here's C sharp and it's never going to change. You know, they, yeah, very aggressive about. Uh, pushing the language forward, adding features um, that that really help developers. One of the ones I hear about a lot is async await. Everybody says that's yeah, that's really that's a great cool feature. one. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit? How, I mean, what is what is async await? <laughs> yeah, so uh, think of this pattern, right? It's a very common pattern on when you are uh, you have two approaches for do in general, like long time operations, right? So. You can, of course, you can wait for them that nobody does that anymore, right? Especially when you have a new UI. So that, let's forget about that horrible one, right? But then, uh, you have two ways of doing that without blocking the UI, right? So it, I'm going to focus on the UI, but the same thing also applies to the server. You can either do multi-threading, right? So you launch operations on a different thread, which of course has a lot of issues, or you implement a pattern or the libraries are implementing a pattern, which is a callback pattern, right? So you have uh, the concept in, in C sharp was in the past, uh, we still have, of course, that. Uh, but the concept of a delegate, right? So you can call a function. When that function finishes, it will call you to a delegate or, or whatever the term is. Every language has something different, right? That that turns it easily into, I don't want to say spaghetti code, but mm, let's say challenging code, right? Because you have, uh, when you are doing that callback, uh, you have to manage the state when the, the callback is calling you back and uh, what happens when there's an error where it uh, you can, so your, your brain is not trained for 
uh, it's much easier to develop on a sequential way where you are just calling methods, right? Instead of, so now I call this method, then it has to call me back to this other method. So I have to remember, I have to maintain the state. So that is a super common pattern, right? So the, the, the change that we did with async is, uh, keeping the beauty of that. So we, in the client side, we want to block the UI, for example, right? But how can we make it look and behave like sequential code, right? Uh, so the result of that is you have the concept of async methods, right? So when you have a library, for example, that you're using, you see a method and it's just uh, appending async in front of that method. Uh, you can call that method by just uh, saying await, right? And with that, when you call that method, under the hood, what that is doing is the old-fashioned way, meaning it will call that method and when it's finished, right, it will call back, it will call you back, right? But you don't see that. So your code is just sequential. So you say, I wait and then the method and then you continue writing. So the next line, you do whatever you want to do on the result of that method under the hood that is still doing asynchronous call, but it's transparent for you. You don't, you don't see it. And definitely think the textbook example of that is you have your app, you press a button, it, it goes to a web service, you know, yeah. top of a spinner and you do the dance where you go off, yeah. off the main thread. So you're not blocking that and come back and we'd write this code over and over again. Yeah. And that's bug prone. And if you complex, you can definitely add yeah. more bugs. So yeah. I think a wait. Yeah. Just does now, it for you. So and cool. then think of the complexity of having multiple methods, multiple level of nesting in there. So that thing can get super complicated with async await is beautiful. I mean, you, you see the code, super easy to follow. Very, very nice to the, to the eye. Yeah. Cool. Let's take a break from this episode and really quickly talk about finding a job. You know, searching for a job can feel stressful, scary, and time-consuming. Pushy recruiters try to sell you on roles you don't actually want, and the job boards make you feel like you're throwing your resume into a black hole, never to be seen again. And sometimes you go all the way through an interview process just to find out that the very end that the salary offer or company culture doesn't match what you're looking for. Well, there's a solution. Hired.com is the world's most intelligent talent-matching platform for full-time and contract opportunities. They make the job search faster, focused, and stress-free instead of endlessly applying to companies and hoping for the best. Hired puts you in control of how and when you connect with compelling opportunities. And after completing one simple application, top employers apply to you. And the best part is, is that you get money. That's right. They pay you if you get a job through them. Listeners to this show can earn double their normal hiring bonus by signing up with the show's link. That's right. You get $2,000 instead of $1,000. So go sign up at hired.com slash ifreaks. How long has that been in C-Sharp? Uh, that was, uh, wow, that was a while ago. I don't remember exactly. I think it was 2010, VS 2010, but I will need to check that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so so a few years. What about Link? You mentioned Link, too. Yeah, Link. Oh, maybe Async was 2013 and Link was 2010. I need to check that because Link was before Async. Link, Link is so Link is earlier. super cool if you are doing uh, things like data-centric applications, right? When you are dealing with, you know, a database or something like that. Link. So the concept behind Link is how you can bring to the language itself concepts that are applying to the data, right? So imagine, so right now uh, you have a clear separation between your language and access to the data with things like SQL, right? So uh, bringing those two together 
you can have some some interesting stuff happening, right? So we added some uh, uh, new keywords to the language, like things like from, select, things like those, right? Uh, but don't think of that as SQL. It has nothing to do with SQL. So it is at a structural level that you can use on an object model, right? So you can uh, directly, for example, uh, go to your object model and query that object model uh, directly using the language, right? So you have the concept of that query directly in the in the language, and the results uh, will come uh, in in that object manner, right? So they will be automatically in your in your brain. They're still objects, right? So it's like magic just happened, right? It's like ORM, so object relation uh, uh, mapping, but included in the in the language. So the cool thing of that is that yeah, we have the mappings to SQL, for example, to any database, right? So you are using any database that you're using, you can use you can use that. Uh, but it could be objects in memory, right? So you don't have to use a database. So if you have an array. You can query, hey, give me uh, the items in that array where this property is uh, greater than five, whatever, right? And that directly from the language, you can write that sentence. Uh, it is super integrated, full IntelliSense. So while you are writing that, you will have the full IntelliSense on the properties. So very, very nice way of, of doing that. Then under the hood, depending on the provider, that will turn into a SQL sentence that will execute on a database, or it will be just an uh, uh, enumeration uh, happening in memory. Ah, very cool. Yeah, that's, I didn't, I didn't know that, but that's mm-hmm. putting that at the language level is pretty interesting. Yeah, you've now you just brought up IntelliSense, and this is something I hear Visual Studio people say they really love. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd love to get into some of the things that make Visual Studio really good. What do people say they love about Visual Studio? Ooh, that's uh, yeah. What do you love about Visual? What Studio? What do I love about Visual Studio? I love the first thing is that I can open Visual Studio and I can do anything that I want, right? So uh, sometimes it could be overwhelming, right? So when you do file new project, you see so many things in there that is, I mean, it's mind blowing that you can create in the same IDE an iOS application uh, or a microservice running on Docker, right? Or a Windows application, right? So it's, it's, it's very, it's very interesting. So I have everything that I need in one IDE. That, that's something interesting. The other thing is that that doesn't compromise the experience on any of those applications, right? So you, you develop a muscle with Visual Studio. We, we use the same visual language for all of those applications, right? So once you develop that muscle, uh, you have a lot of baggage that you can apply to any new project. So for me, moving from a, from being a Windows developer to be a Docker developer took me one day, right? Cause it's the same, uh, muscle that I already have that I can apply now to Docker. So that consistency in VS is something that developers like a lot, right? Then when you go into the specific features, I think the editing experience is, is just amazing, right? In, in, in VS. So things like, uh, uh, I don't know, it, there are so many things in there that it's difficult to, to say, but uh, you mentioned IntelliSense. There are many others, right? That, uh, uh, the, the whole refactoring, quick fixes, everything, that combination that I mentioned before between VS and Roslyn, Amazing, the kind of things that, that you can do there and will make you super productive, right? Uh, from small things like refactors while you type, right? Uh, to things like uh, code analysis while you're typing live. What one announced yesterday, the live unit testing. So creating unit tests with Visual Studio is unit, writing unit tests could be easily one of the most boring things in the world. So because it feels for a developer that is not producing real value, right? And, and with things like lively testing, it, it makes it super easy. We have another thing called IntelliTest included in, in Visual Studio that is basically creating 
unit test for you, and then you just need to customize it. Right? Let's talk a little bit about the, the live unit testing, because that's yeah. something that you've been able to do with third-party things for Visual Studio mm-hmm. way back when. But for, for Xcode, it just doesn't really happen. Mm-hmm. There are some third-party things that are getting close to it, mm-hmm. but you can actually write a test and without compiling and running the app and get feedback whether that test passed. Yeah. So you're sitting there in your code, writing code, watching your tests start to pass. Yeah. So when you break something, you know right away before you're compiling, running the app. And that's that's hugely important. And that really helps the testing workflow. Yeah. Uh, if you can just write a bunch of tests, start writing code and seeing your tests start to pass. Yeah. It really helps you stay in the stay in the zone. Yeah. Yeah. So that was something yeah. I'd love to see. And all these things that Visual Studio does are things that are are possible with Swift and Xcode. They just haven't been implemented. Mm-hmm. So we're coming from a statically typed language, you know, with a lot of the same type of features and uh, things, but it just hasn't been built yet. So yep. for, for those that are listening and didn't see the keynote, the, the demo they showed during the keynote yesterday was uh, w- with live unit testing. They they had, you know, some, some C-sharp code open in Visual Studio, and on each line, actually, there was there was a little symbol over on the left, a green check mark. Uh, for, for past and a red X for failed. And then I think there was a gray line for not covered, but this was line by line in the code telling you which code was covered by tests, which code, uh, you know, which lines of code were part of failing tests and which lines of code were not, you know, where all the tests passed. And they showed how fixing, fixing the, the, the problem that was causing some tests to fail did not require a build or, a, you know, run unit tests. It just, the IDE figured out that a change had been made and that the tests were now passing. It was pretty impressive and de- definitely seemed nicer than what we have uh, in Xcode out of the box. Something something that we try to do in, in VS, we call it the, the shift left, right? Is uh, We're living in a world and more and more, and you will see that uh, later today with mobile, mobile centers as well, right? So we move more and more to a DevOps world, right? Where you are, you are in CICD, you're embracing CICD, everything is happening in a continuous loop, right? So uh, sometimes what what is uh, challenging for the developer is because now they don't have to worry only about the code. They are responsible for the entire pipeline, right? So from the moment they write the code till the moment that is, you know, in CI and then even CD, right? You have continuous deployment. Uh, that is challenging from the what you mentioned before, staying in the zone. How can we make the developer staying in the zone? And the zone for the developer is the editor, is writing code. So we always, every time that VS requires getting away from the code is for us is an area of improvement, right? So we try to give everything that you need in that experience, right? So unit testing is like the first step, right? So uh, unit testing is, is it happened right after you code or, or very close to coding, right? Almost you would say that it's in the, in the same, in the same place, right? Uh, so by moving it to the left, meaning while you are typing, you get real feedback, real visual feedback of a unit testing code coverage that's moving things to the left while you're coding, right? We're applying the same concept to multiple things, right? So you move, when you move more to the right, you have things like code analysis, right? So you want things like, I want to maintain uh, some, you know, naming convention rules or styling rules or even code quality like security things or even the way performance uh, tips, things like those that now in VS we run also in Real time. So when you are typing, we, we can run those uh, analyzers for you, right? And you will have direct feedback while, while you type. If you move even more to the right, uh, you have things like code lens, right? Which is like a, uh, it's, it's like a hat 
device that you have on top of your code, uh, we overlaid on your code important information for you to know, right? And that could be things like the ref. So what code is referencing that method to things like who was working on that method before, right? So you are more to the right in the source repo kind of world, right? So you can know, hey, there's a developer that worked on this method. Hey, yesterday I can connect with him directly from here. Boom, let me ask him a question. Things like those. Things like performance tips, all of that, all that information, even that is coming more to the right, like even continuous integration and uh, deployment production, all in one place for providing tips to the developer while they are while they are coding. So that's that's definitely an area that we're that we're uh, investing a lot. It's interesting to hear you talk about this for developers. A lot of developers, the app they use the very most is the IDE. So mm-hmm. any anything that makes your uh, makes the IDE a better app. Mm-hmm. makes um, yeah. makes you more productive. I have very little experience with Visual Studio, but I do remember working on a, a little Windows app and writing some XAML to do with the UI and getting code completion in the XAML and thinking, that's pretty amazing. Oh my because God, that was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't actually a long time ago. It's just that I didn't, I'm coming from Xcode. We don't have anything like that, right? So, so. Another thing that was actually showed in the keynote, I think, was uh, being able to really easily deploy your code from Visual Studio to the cloud, to yeah. Azure. That seemed really cool to me. I mean, you start a new project, you write some code, deploy it to the cloud, and it's, it's running in the cloud. It seemed like quite an easy process. Uh, seems like that's something Microsoft is pretty uh, focused on. Yeah, and that's it's like the opposite of the shift left is the shift right. Right? Is how we can make it easier for developers to also move to the next step of the stage, right? And yeah, deploying the deploying is is one of the easy ones, right? Uh, but there are, there are more that we are you know removing barriers. So that's that's the way that that we look at it, like continuous integration, right? So how can we make it easy for or easier? For the developer to set up uh, a continuous integration pipeline directly from the from the IDE, right? So that uh, I mean, it's not an operation that you're gonna do a lot of times, but by removing those barriers, uh, we think uh, it will help developers to embrace uh, modern, you know, DevOps practices, right? So that's that's definitely another another area that that we want to focus a lot. A lot of uh, a lot of iOS developers are iOS developers, and they don't they don't do server side development, but almost every iOS app has some server side component yeah. and whether it's being built by you know another team at your company or 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 whatever or you're using a back end as a service i mean apple has cloudkit and actually azure i think provides this kind of sdk where you don't write any server side yeah, code yeah true yet. yeah but i have often wondered what what would it take for me to do a little bit of server side development in .net coming from a company and i you know recently left but was at a company for a long time where all of our backend stuff was written in .NET, so I know that it, it's it's powerful and you know people like it. Um, I'm kind of curious to know how do how would I get started? What does it take to start writing a little bit of .NET code? Yeah, running so on a server uh, somewhere? yeah, so uh, uh, I think that the first thing to mention is is choice as as always, right? So you mentioned hey, maybe I don't need it, so I, I wouldn't say that hey, just because it's there, you don't need to use it, right? So we do have, as part of Azure, you know, higher level with app service, we have the concept of mobile apps. You don't, we have an SDK you can use from the client, right? And you don't have, you can manage, you know, tables and things like those, identity and things like those that are even part of mobile center. So you don't need to write uh, any code. But once you want to write that code, uh, with .NET Core, actually super simple now. So uh, if you go to dot.net, so dot 
.net. That's yeah. our URL. Uh, difficult to pronounce, but once you see it in paper, super easy, .net. You have a, a place in there to get started. And the cool things about, one of the cool things about .net Core is, is that you can do a server application with two lines of code, right? So it's super simple. You can easily do a hello world application with, with two lines of code. So you can start from there. And then we have on top of .NET Core, we have something called ASP.NET. And ASP.NET is web framework, right? So you don't want to manage, you know, you know, you don't want to do every single request reply, right? With, with a, with a kind of a console application. You want a abstraction on top of that, that allows you to create views, to create controllers, to create root routing, that, that kind of things, right? So once you become comfortable with just the typical hello world, uh, replying to basic requests, you can uh, embrace ASP.NET Core and you can create easily a, a Razor pages. Razor pages are basically a HTML pages with mark uh, down on them with, with markup on them that, that you can easily combine with your data and you can start creating more powerful applications based on data, based on big data, identity, whatever you need there. Cool. Mm-hmm. I this uh, I think we're going to talk a little bit about Visual Studio for Mac, which was another one of the announcements yeah. yesterday. But yeah. it seems like one of the big things in Visual Studio for Mac that is, is really brand new is the ability to write .NET server-side, ASP.NET. And, yeah, yeah, uh, for Visual Mac, yeah stuff on the Mac. So yeah. that's that's nice for you know those of us who don't actually own a Windows machine. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, so it's it's everything coming together, right? So it's both for that to happen, we needed first having a dot net on a Mac that happened, right? So and now it was the tooling. Uh, we already had so uh, VS Code is another uh, alternative for that case that we we had uh, for a while and it's very focused on the code experience, right? So it's it's a really nice code editor, right? So uh, it is perfect for creating server-side applications. So people uh, use uh, use it a lot for server-side applications. Uh, if you want, if you are more a mobile developer, so you live in a in an IDE. Uh, then you will uh, you will prefer to start with something like VS for Mac, right? Where you have all the powerful designers and emulators, so you live in the mobile side. But then you also have a server side development. Uh, very cool. I'm wondering. I think we're getting a little low on time, and I'm wondering if there's anything you think that we have not talked about that we really should talk about. Oh wow, we can talk about a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah, we can talk all day. No, I but. think that the, the summary that I would say is this conversation two years ago would have been very different, right? And and we didn't have so many options at that time. I think uh, if you are a Mac developer on an iOS developer, it's the time for you to take a look to the solution that Microsoft provides. Uh, my my key recommendation there is don't look at it as all or nothing. So uh, I, I could expect people, and I see a lot of people embracing .NET, right? like, like, oh my God, I love .NET, I'm going to do everything in .NET, and, and so on. But that doesn't have to be the case, right? So there's a lot of different solutions depending on, on the technology that you use. Uh, and uh, we, we represented that as a slot machine uh, yesterday, right? So we have many combinations that you can use. And there's a combination that is super low friction that, that you can start using right away, uh, which is moving your DevOps to, to Azure for mobile applications, super powerful, super easy, fully support for iOS applications in there. So it's, it's actually a very nice first step. And then, hey, if you're happy, uh, you can, you can continue evaluating other, other options in, in Microsoft, right? And if you went in .NET, I will be super happy. <laughs> yeah. So this is, this is definitely a change in, at Microsoft and it's been really interesting to see, but Microsoft is not trying to convince everyone to go 
buy a Windows machine, be a .NET developer, and write Windows apps. They want to help you be a, a good developer no matter what yeah. platform you're on. And I thought uh, there was a demo during the keynote that was really interesting. I think it was it was, it was pretty much the first demo, but they showed yeah. Visual Studio Code on a Mac yeah. with a Node app yeah. deploying to Docker on Linux. Yeah. There was no Windows anywhere no, in that it, Yeah, it was, it was definitely on purpose, right? Yeah. So it was our clear message that, and it was a super cool demo. Yeah, it was. So it's not that we're playing catch up on, on those areas, right? So you're a Node developer uh, on a Mac, Oh boy, we have some cool stuff. So VS Code is just amazing for, for node development, right? And, and integration with Docker is just amazing out of the box. And then uh, hosting in Azure, one click, right? So it's, there's a lot of cool stuff. If you are a node developer, uh, uh, deploying to Linux on Mac. Yeah. Uh, definitely a good demo to watch. Yeah, it's super cool. Demo. Yeah. It's cool. All right, David. Well, uh, if there's nothing else, do you have a, a pick for us? A pick or, or more than one pick? <laughs> Oh, actually, and I, I forgot, but I think Jane has a pick too. But we'll you go first. You go okay, first, so okay. I can learn how to pick things. So I've got one pick, and Andrew will probably give a plus one to this. We all went uh, with Chuck and AJ from JavaScript Jabber. We went to Katz's Deli, and I had a pastrami sandwich, and it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, so Katz's, is, uh, it's kind of, you know, big, big famous place and a tourist place, but I thoroughly enjoyed the food there. It was very fun. Worth good. doing if you're in New York. Definitely good pastrami. Like all the locals are telling us to go someplace else. Like, oh no, you don't want to go there. You want to go there. But this was on the way off the subway where we were heading anyway. So it was the most <laughs> convenient to get to. But yeah, it was fantastic. So if you're in New York, there's probably other places like Mr. Broadway, Second Avenue Deli, I think are the locals are telling me to go to, but Katz's was amazing. So definitely check it out. So. <laughs> all right, David. So let, let me try. So. Firstly, one, one personal one that, that I would recommend anybody going to Europe. I'm from Spain originally and I'm from a, from a beautiful place in Spain that not a lot of people know. So it's not a tourist place. So if you go to Spain, you will probably go to Barcelona. You will probably go to Madrid. Add to that a city called Cadiz. I'm from there. That's my hometown. Mm -hmm. And it's beautiful because it's not crowded like the rest of Spain sometimes. And you have beautiful beaches. It's, it's a beautiful place to spend, especially the summer in there. So that, that would be my, my one pick. The second one, I have to say this because I love, I love that yesterday. You have to watch Donovan Brown's demo yesterday, uh, on DevOps, uh, when he's talking about, uh, I know that his server side is, is on the server, but I enjoyed that demo so much. Yesterday, you go to the connect event. It's happening probably like at half of the keynote. Uh, Donovan Brown is his name and it's so funny. He's, he's talking about, uh, you know, our experience as developers when we have the manager getting into the office and asking us for something. Mm -hmm. It was so hilarious that I would recommend everybody to watch. Yeah. We had, we had Donovan on the show. A month or two ago. Oh, that's Atlanta. great. So yeah, we talked with them. One. He talked about his DevOps and yeah, he's a great speaker. So <laughs> yeah, I love it. My, my brother, um, did a study abroad in, in Oviedo in Spain. Oh, nice. And he, that was 10 years ago and he just never stopped talking about it, how much he <laughs> loves Spain. So, so I liked your first pick, but I've never been there someday. Well, let me know. Someday. Yeah. I, I can recommend some restaurants. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> So thanks a lot, David, for coming on the show. Thank you, guys. It was my pleasure. All right. Thanks, David. Thank you very much. <laughs>